Right, well, hello. Welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. If indeed this is uh, your return visit, if it's not, as I always say, it's your first one, so welcome. Hello. I hope you're doing well. And uh, if this is your first visit, I I hope it doesn't uh, hurt you in any way. I hope it doesn't traumatise you in any way. But let's see. Let's see how it goes, you know. The subject matter of this podcast is vaguely traumatic for for those that were on the Erebus, HMS Erebus, which leads me succinctly, in a way, to, to the subject matter. Yeah, so... I reached out to Michael Palin uh, because he wrote a wonderful book called Erebus, A Story of a Ship. And I, I, I kind of came to this book because of uh, his travel books, the audio uh, audio books. Because as, as you know, people that, you know, you guys that listen to the show regularly, I got, I got, a, I got two kids, a lot of responsibility, uh, my wife and I. And when it comes to nighttime, you, you need to shut off, right? And you can't. It's not always that easy. So what I do is I get an audio book on. And I was doing, I was listening to Full Circle, which is Michael's trip around the Pacific Rim. And it was sending me, it sent me to sleep every night. It was wonderful. Got through that. And then, what's this? Erebus? What the hell is that? I'll give it a go. It's fantastic. So it's about um, HMS Erebus and HMS Terror, two ships that were pretty much largely responsible for some of the most extraordinary exploration of the uh, Antarctica and then also the Northwest Passage, but sadly all went a little little bit wrong uh, in the latter, the latter category there. And, and I wasn't aware of any of this. So picking this book up and just going with it because it sounded like a really great swashbuckling adventure, that's pretty much why I did it. And it just got more and more intense as the book came on, you know, drew on. And it was just so, oh my God, I don't know what to explain it, how to explain it. Perhaps like a boyish love for adventure came out of me. But then the way Michael writes it, 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 he kind of brings all the characters alive. And we talk about that. And it's very specific to the book, but also he talks a little bit about some of his, um, I don't know, he talks a little bit about Python and um, some of the the characters and what have you uh, in that. And some of the characters that he then found out about uh, researching, researching the book, because let's face it, this took a lot of research and he went to a lot of different places all around the world really to to like really get into the to the mindset of the whole expedition and um oh my goodness and and the other thing that i didn't know is about the terror so the abc uh production uh the dramatization of the second round of uh of, of trips that hms uh Erebus and Terror did. So they went they went to find the Northwest Passage. It, what is the Northwest Passage? It's a good question. I will try my best to explain it to you. Well, should I should I leave it to Google? I don't know. Just Google it because I'm just going to mess it up anyway. But essentially it, it's you know, it's up there, Greenland, up there North Canada and and all that kind of jazz. And they were 
they built you know they, they built these ships to go to the the most inhospitable places imaginable and that's certainly exactly where they went um and the dramatization that you can now watch on iPlayer is mind-blowing it's brilliant Jared Harris is extraordinary and that's just one of some amazing performances and it, it, that again it, it's a dry okay it's based on a book um that, that is very largely fic- fictional but it's kind of like an interpretation of what might have happened to that to the people that went exploring went to try and find the northwest passage so it's fascinating it really really is i mean it's 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 often overlooked so if you do have any time and want to get <laughs> not psychologically damaged but I don't know what you'd call it really immersed in something pretty unique and extraordinary then do check it out it's called The Terror and it's on iPlayer I, I just I mean I, I watched it when Laura my wife went away uh, and, and and I was on my own just with with the kids at night and it, it got in my head it really really did. and then I did a, a stupid thing of, of of reading I've started reading a book about Shackleton and uh endurance it's another <laughs> another ship that went that went all oh, a little bit wrong for them and there's some just it's psychologically damaging some of this stuff but anyway look let's get to it here's here's my chat with michael if you do feel like checking out a few more of my episodes you can find them on all your usual platforms but you can also find them on somedaysdiamonds.co.uk uh, you can find some of my writing up there, um, my music, my gosh, my short film. Uh, and, and there's so much, so much joy to be found, all for free. Where can you find it? Well, I'll tell you. Somedaysardiamonds.co.uk Okay, well, look, those of you that are used to this show, uh, Limehouse Wall of Famers, hey, Mike, how you doing, Simon? Hey, hey, John. Rob, it's good to see you. Um, Angela, I think I think it's an Angela now. We're trying to get more uh, female names up because it's it's a bit blokey. I don't know. I've had a run of blokes lately, but that's soon to change. That is soon to change. Belinda Kirk is coming on the show soon. All right, look after yourselves. Somedaysofdiamonds.co.uk. Enjoy Michael's. uh, his presence he's he's a wonderful man it's wonderful to have finally met him after all these years of uh, watching his documentaries and just essentially just enjoying his sort of national treasure ism his 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 presence as a national treasure rock and roll stay safe there good evening michael how are you doing i'm very well thank you very well excellent excellent i've um got two dogs either side of me so if a postman knocks and it goes a bit all uh, a bit crazy you, you know why <laughs> um <laughs> we are <very> late postman <laughs> right yeah that, that's true yeah. that is true but i live in, i live in norfolk so anything's possible all oh, right um yeah home county yeah. father Exactly, and obviously one of the last places that uh, Erebus and Terra, well, sort of uh, set set sail from. It's quite exciting, really. Yeah, yeah. But I've I've actually just just I've 
I've listened to the audio book yeah. once, th- once through and then started listening to it ag- again today just to, I don't know, reacquaint myself with it. But that was only a week ago that I finished it. Mm. And it's funny how <laughs> listen to it again, but the, the epilogue, just how poignant it, it, it must have been to to go to the the sites and and see the the, the remains of the, the the ships and the expeditions that went to look for Franklin and and his men and and that yeah I could that must have been pretty poignant well you see I, I never really got to the crux of the matter I hoped I would I hoped I'd be able to go to um uh you know the the um the island Prince Edward Island where they ended up but Unfortunately, when we were we got down the um, the coast, the Northwest Passage, and then that particular area was blocked by ice. This was in 2018. So there you go. You know, it kind of yeah. exactly echoed what had happened to them. And our captain said, "I'm never going to get you down there, unfortunately. Um, but this is the nearest we'll get. But certainly, going to some of the places up in um, in Canada, in, in Nunavut." Um, particularly um, uh, the um, it's Beachy, Beachy Island, excuse my yeah. ignorance, a long time ago that I wrote it, uh, <laughs> and seeing actually, yes, where the, the, the graves of the, um, the three or four people who were buried there. That was very poignant, very poignant. I know. And do you know, I, I really, the reason I came across this book in the first place, to give you some background, is because um, I, I, I listen to audio books at night to calm just calm me down and and just just focus the mind so I finished full uh, full circle and then um, amazon was like right try this book yeah. thanks amazon so i did and i just instantly struck by this boyhood i don't know wave came over me need yeah. needing to read this book i mean yeah. did, did you did you find that when you because i know that you came to this um writing this book from uh, doing a talk um yes yeah. on another uh, yeah. shipmate yeah well i did have to give me a talk uh, quite it's quite sort of um seminal really because it was the athenaeum club which i'm a member in london and the athenaeum yeah. club nearly all the people who were involved in the early planning of the voyage were members of this club which was started by a man called william croker who appears in the book and he was one of the the, um, the chiefs of supporters of that kind of uh, enlightened uh, information gathering that was sort of sweeping the the Western world at the time. You know, the scientific uh, discoveries and all that. So anyway, that yes. Uh, but I was giving a talk about Joseph Hooker, um, not uh, not Erebus, yeah. and that's when I found out that very early on that Joseph Hooker had been uh signed on as second surgeon to this expedition in a little boat called Erebus and it went to Antarctica and I thought this is amazing I didn't know anything about this when I was taught <laughs> at school I was taught about Francis Drake and all that sort of thing and uh, yeah yeah you know Scott not getting to the to the South Pole but here was a real success story uh, and you hadn't uh, anything about it so that was there that was the, the the thing that carried me through yeah, no, it's just, I, I think that's, it, it's just must have been, because to, to then go and write a book about it and to travel so much as you did, it must have been a, a, 
a passion what what was driving you that passion yeah. was it was it was it a boyhood thing do you think it was like that that level of 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 i don't know when you when you're collecting the beano and you're collecting panini yeah. stickers when you're young you know yeah i think i think there's a certain amount of that certainly when i was growing up in sheffield i i imagined myself at sea very often i love stories <laughs> which involve being at sea i mean literally <laughs> Um, So I read Horatio Hornblower and Stevenson and Captain Marriott and all these stories that that were uh, either on the sea or uh, were taking people by sea to foreign countries, which I also found quite exotic. You know, what was the event? What did the Cape of Good Hope look like? These people were. I remember at the time thinking, these are, God, they must be fearless because they didn't have a lot of the ships were just wind-driven. Um, they went through all sorts of different climate zones. They put up with all sorts of storms and perilous adventures. So that was all, that was part of my childhood reading and my childhood imagination was filled with the images of the sea. And I wanted to be in the Navy actually at one time. I uh, really well. I wanted I wanted to be in the army last week, but then I changed my mind when uh, we pulled yeah, out of. Uh, well, yeah. the Americans started doing what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, I think I changed my mind about the navy because I realised there was hardly any navy left. You know, when I was growing <laughs> right. up, we had these vast navies and and the the war. Of course, the, the war stories have been very, very much an influence on me. So. Everything about the sea, that's what carried me through. But there was something about this story that I felt needed to be told. It was actually, I kind of felt a bit of a mission. Um, In the same way that I felt um, deprived for not having been told about this story at school at any point. Uh, Even my my geography teacher would have thought he'd be interested. Um, You know, these people were looking at a part of the world for the first time in human history. Anyway, so so I just felt yes, this is this is this will keep me going because I think it's I think it's interesting, and the more I read and the more I learnt about it, the more interesting it became. And you know, when you do mm. research, suddenly you find out the small detail, like what did the dock at Pembroke look like when the ship right. was launched? Was it was it pushed into the sea? Was it built at sea or whatever? Was it in the river? All, all these little things become very important and they, they sustained me and kept my interest going. No, and it, it, I think that's what you do so well and, and why I, I wanted to reach out to you in the first place because it, you, you, you offer such a, so, so many different levels of, you know, the, emo, so the emotion, painting pictures, bringing characters to life. Yeah. And I think the, a, a character that was, I would have struggled with, but also would have admired would be McCormack, the, the, you know, yeah. a, a, a character that's on the one moment having sort of a, a road to Damascus moment, realizing that maybe I shouldn't be shooting all these lovely birds. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, <laughs> and then goes out again and starts shooting them a, a yeah. day or two yeah. later. Yeah. Well, you see, it, uh, McCormack was a great character because he was a foil for Captain. Uh, Ross, James Clark Ross was a pretty straight sort of guy. He wasn't, you know, he was a a very good ship's captain, a very diligent man, um, really kept the whole expedition going. But he, you know, he he didn't relax much and he didn't seem to have um, 
a great sense of either the romance of it or the humour of it, whereas McCormack did. And it was only in a ship like that, it was really only the officers who kept the full sort of um, diaries and journals, uh, mainly because they were the only ones who were literate. But, I mean, that's so McCormack became very, very important because he was the kind of soul of it. He was the... He was the heart if Ross was the head. But terribly important also was uh, a diary which I found in the Falkland Islands when I travelled there for a man called Cunningham, who was not an, an officer. Uh, he was on HMS Terror, actually, but he kept a diary of every single day of that journey. He wrote something. Tended to be just, you know, squally again, you know, oh, we, some of the lads had a bad time last night. It was on right, that yeah. level, but but very often absolutely fascinating. And he was the one which impressed me when they went to Hobart in Tasmania and they were going up the um, um, up the strait towards, towards Hobart. He uh, was the only one who acknowledged that this was a place that was a prison colony. And, you know, Ross and McCormack were both writing and saying, oh, this looks like England, it's wonderful. We've come so far and we've come to green hills and little churches, how beautiful. And it was took it, it took Cunningham to say, I'm just thinking of all the people who've come out of here against their will and will never see their families at home again. And I thought that very, very one of the very moving moments of the book was, uh, was a little, little thing like that. But that that is interesting, isn't it? Because it depends who's going. Like, you know, I I I've read a bit of Max Hastings and what have you, and uh, just uh, fam interests of uh, my family uh, who in the war and what have you. Um, but when it comes to historical accounts, it depends who's writing it, and it depends if they choose to inform yeah. you ab- about these moments that are so poignant. Did you, did, was that like a moment, was that a, a deliberate sort of thing? Is it actually a part of you, isn't it? I mean, you're, you know, you're a, a heartfelt kind of, kind of chap uh, from what, from the, yeah. from the audio books I've read. So well, I, I, you know, as you know, I mean, right from doing Python and early before that, I enjoyed playing characters. Um, I enjoyed, you know, looking at uh, the differences between people, what makes, makes a certain person different from somebody else. And trying to sort of get, um, put across an impression of what that person is. So it's not just a superficial thing. Uh, from doing comedy early on, I was never very good at telling, telling jokes. I can never remember them exactly. Um, but I was very good at creating characters who were sort of, once you knew the complexity of their character, you could have fun with them that, that way. Right. So yeah. the man in the Spanish Inquisition, I know it's not a great analogy, but it was just, <laughs> he was incompetent, couldn't get his lines right. I mean, this was it. This was far more interesting than doing anything as a sort of structured historical uh, character based on right. actually being the Spanish Inquisition. It was just some, someone who was <laughs> flustered and flummoxed and was trying yeah. to get through it. Um, and, <laughs> you know, that, it happens so often to so many of us, really. So it doesn't matter if he's a Spanish Inquisition or he's a farmer in Germany or whatever, you know, it's just this sense of, oh, the world getting out of control. So in, in the book, I was looking for characters, yes. I was looking for people who had um, a backstory, uh, for whom uh, there, were, there were glimpses of their, their um, 
deeper concerns and mm. their worries and anxieties. And again, you don't find that very much in someone like James Clark Ross. Very occasionally, yeah. he does begin. I mean, when they are nearly crushed by the iceberg right in the southern Atlantic waters, he, I think he gets a little bit anxious there and says, oh my <laughs> God, this doesn't happen again. But generally, it's little moments, um, very often from the crew, who, because they weren't used to sort of expressing themselves in a sort of literary way, just said what they felt. And there's one of the, another tremendously poignant thing for me is a letter written back from Stromness when they were just, that was the last chance they had to send letters home. And one of the shipmates, uh, one of the carpenters there writes to his wife saying, you know, he's a bit worried because he hadn't heard from her. Um, yeah, I remember they that. Go yeah. off, they were now going off and I'm sure they'd be all right. But if they weren't, don't worry, you know, just, just, um, you know, look after the children and thank God that I've been able, we've had these happy days together. Oh God, I mean, you know, those are things to me that make the book really. Oh, I, I, I couldn't agree anymore. I think that's why it, it really captured me because, I mean, I, I, for, I didn't know that there was this enormous fan, fan base, like fan base, but you know, this massive interest in this story. So much so, yeah, yeah. there's a TV series about it. I didn't, I didn't, I did not know that. And so this book, no, just this, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful sort of, yeah a thing to just suddenly come across um and there are it's the human stories in this and the way you've picked them out so well but what i what has been on my mind is today i was thinking who i would associate myself most with the, from the characters that yes, you, yeah, you've brought yeah, to life yeah and who 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 would you associate yourself with if, if there's anyone at all yeah that's a very it's very good really um i'm not i'm not quite sure that i'd um, it's that easier fit. It's uh, so tough, isn't it? You know, I'm too, I'm too sort of wacky for James Clark Ross. Um, so, but I'm, an, I'm an enthusiast like McCormack. I would be one of the first to want to climb off the boat and go and, you know, look at the birds, yeah. that sort of thing. But I don't think I'd have shot. Just maybe leave the gun on, on, on yeah. the ship. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. There were one or two of the sort of junior officers, you know, don't know that much about, who I liked, I liked very much, were on this, especially on the second um, expedition, um, who, who sort of seemed to be, you know, aware of the dangers and the complexities, bought into yeah. it, but were, were, you know, not carried away by it, but, but, we're just fascinated by the prospect of what we're going to see. I think that's a, that's what I would have been. You know, um, yeah. you know all right, they were taking a huge risk going to look for the Northwest Passage, although they didn't think of it that at the time. There had been so many other expeditions up there. They thought they'd just sail through. They had more equipment and more vessels, and better vessels than before. So I think I would have... I don't think I'd have said, oh, no, I'm not going to, oh, no, we shouldn't do this, you know. I'd say, wow, let's go, come on, come <laughs> on tonight. So the more, right. more optimistic officers I'd probably have been, yeah. I think I would do that were I on a Russian ship in, 19, in 2014-15 or what have you, reinforced yeah. steel, perhaps I would have. <laughs> But that's probably, yeah, it says more about me. Uh, I just don't know how people did it, honestly, Michael. It's like you go... 
a hundred, a hundred. They set off, set off in in 1845, and you just think the if they had known, had they would that's the thing. Had they had known that, do you think they still would have gone? I mean, bearing in mind Franklin had that tumultuous. Uh, past and, and what have you and and it, he was trying to regain his I don't know what you'd call it really his kudos or what have you yes um, reputation really yeah his reputation yeah. yeah do you think he still would have gone knowing what was ahead of him um I think so I I think there's not a great deal of 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 doubt and um you know um second guessing of what it's going to be like although and I say in the book, which is quite interesting, the officers were very gung-ho. Nearly every single one of them couldn't wait to get going. It was the crew who are members of the crew in the one or two letters that we do have who expressed doubts about whether they would get through or not. The officers, quite frankly, seemed to be almost unanimously full of hope and expectation and, and pride that they were on this expedition. Uh, and And... Of course, he, everything is relative. The, the two ships that they, um, I mean, seem to us now to be tiny little ships, 204 feet long or something like that. Um, yeah. 60 people on board, wood hulled. But they were they were at the time state-of-the-art ice ships. They, they'd gone to Antarctica. They'd survived four years in, um, in you know, uh, iceberg-infested seas. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, so... You know, people weren't thinking, oh dear, these are these are feeble ships. They thought, these are great ships. Wow, we've got the best ships. We've got the best men. Um, I think probably Franklin was too old, and I think a lot of people quietly felt that. But what the hell? <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's a nice chap. We, we all love being with him. <laughs> but I think generally there was a feeling they were very, very lucky to be doing this and to be chosen to do it. Yeah, no, of course. Um, and... One of the things that struck me halfway through, or just came to me slowly, reading the book, was how obviously you're you're the keenest diarist I I know that in existence. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I stopped. Yeah, <laughs> I stopped writing a diary when I was about twenty. I think I stopped writing a diary when I met my wife. When I realised there's you know there's someone that wants to listen to me, and all my weird little foibles <laughs> and bitternesses. Really? Um, so I don't have I don't have to write it down anymore. Um, well, that's, so. that's a very interesting observation. You know, yes. Yeah. I, I think I wrote it because you know while while still being while being married, um, but uh, it wasn't a substitute um, for <laughs> not being listened to by my wife. But that's a very good point because she doesn't listen to me a lot. Okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just it's something that of a habit, and I just think when uh, I think about um, you when you're researching and yeah. you're coming across these logs and and yeah. these diary entries and these yeah. letters, you, yeah. you know, for you that must have really been something. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, tremendously exciting. And there's something about the diary that gives you gives an order to the narrative. Um, you can have ships, logs and all that. that, that tells you where they are at a certain time. But a diary gives you a little bit more, even if it's just wind blowing from the west, strengthening yeah. all day, by evening we couldn't see the top of the mast. Fantastic stuff. Then the next yeah. day, oh, you know, all cleared, lovely day, did the washing, scrubbed the decks, sun, sun everywhere and all that. 
that, 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 that sort of continuity of the diary, covering every single moment of the journey as Cunningham did, is, is not only valuable, but to me very, very, brings it all to life. Do you, do you think that's when perhaps you've, you, maybe you associate yourself with, you know, you said different aspects of the different officers and, and what have you. Do you think maybe someone like Cunningham, then you're, you're kind of more erring on the side of, of that, of that guy? The, the... Well, I mean, they all wrote a lot, actually. I mean, Hooker wrote an awful lot and he kept, uh, he kept diaries, um, but he was a scientist. I am, I've never been any good at sort of, figures and labels and chemistry and physics and, and um, even natural history. It's not been my thing, really. Yeah. Um, but I did, uh, I, I, did, I did feel that if I'd been there, I would have probably kept a diary as keenly as, as Hooker did. Yeah, yeah. And as keenly as, um, keenly as McCormack did, really. I mean, I, yeah. I... Do you think it's also time as well? I mean, do you, do you think they had, at, at times they had an awful lot Yes, of, of time because yeah. you you talk yeah. about that in the books, and I'm reading a book about um, Shackleton because I've read yes. your book, and now I'm just I'm just going down this wormhole hole now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm literally yeah. I know the next year it's going to be. I've I've got a conversation lined up with um an author an author of, of, about the endurance. Um, I must tell you, you've got to read the book about the Belgian expedition. It's just come out. Okay. I can't remember what it's called now. Belgian expedition to Antarctica and about. 1900 and it's got a very wacky title i'll think of it anyway but but yeah no i was actually going to ask you for some recommendations in the last year extraordinary story really extraordinary made it you know what went on in erebus very dull (laughs) oh my god so we because i'm thinking it is it's absolutely brutal is it is absolutely beyond like beyond it's brutal because it's fairly they're fairly incompetent there's a lot of kind of um (laughs) There, there are a lot of animosities between the crew. A lot of people don't like each other. Some people want to get home, but they get rather like Erebus and Terror. They get stuck in the ice for two, I think it's two summers, and they just have to survive together. And how they do that is down to very, very few people, including um, a young man called Amundsen, who was on board one oh, wow. ship. And he, he, he managed to sort of pull it all together. He was a very resourceful kind of character. He and a few others pulled it all together. The rest of the people just were saying, this is, this is shit, you know, I, can't, I don't want to be This is awful. There's no food for that. They were much less well prepared. Um, I mean, to be honest, Michael, that's a little bit more realistic, isn't it? Like, you know, it's all very well and good having captains and lieutenants going, yeah, let's get up there yeah, yeah. and get, get stuck in this stuff. It's yeah. like... Hang on. Except, like... except the, the, the reason they got into the problems they did was that this Belgian guy, um, I'm sorry, I just should have the details of him anyway, the, 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 a Belgian explorer who was determined to go further south than anyone else had ever been. This was about 50 years after Erebusson had been to the Antarctic. And there'd been very little exploration apart from Shackleton. So, But he said, you know, this was pre-Shackleton, I think. We've got to go down there. We are going to go as far south as we can. And gradually as they went on, people realised we can't do this. This is crazy. You know, we haven't got the right food. We haven't got the right leadership. We don't know where we're going. He said, no, we are going to go. And in the end, this is a bit of a spoiler alert, but he he was the one who says, um, oh, we, uh, no, the way out is, is, is along this route here. 
We're trapped in the ice. We've, we go out, we can go this way here. And in fact, he was lying. There wasn't a way out. And he, oh my God. Uh, he, he, his, the force, the charismatic personality he was, he kept them all there for two more years. So there was a feeling there, and we've got to do it. And I'm going to do it. There's always one who says, no, this is, I'm, I'm, I've got to do this. There was one obsessive. And I think obsessives are quite important in all this. No, I, 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 I think I completely agree. And I think like, you know, you people like um, Ranoff Fiennes, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, yes. is it a, a bizarre, biz, it's not bizarre, I don't know whether it's generic, who knows, but it's this hot, um, determination, beyond determination, where, yeah. you know, it's the point where he's not even, when he gets back home, or Ranoff Fiennes, he takes his own, what, toes off with a, Black and Decker because he can't because the, the you know the hospital is saying look you've got to wait for the operation yeah. blah 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 and he just goes and well I'm not bloody well going to do that and yeah. here's my Black and Decker you know <laughs> probably yeah. some people cut their toenails with the Black and Decker but he obviously cut a little more than was neatness no <laughs> right. there are certain people who who really um, act, I don't mean to put this the way it sounds but they glory in the suffering. The suffering is a way of showing that you've done the ultimate. You've gone through barriers of pain and discomfort yeah. and uh, fear and into a sort of plateau of only courage sustains you and just losing a few toes and all that sort of thing. That doesn't matter so long as the goal is in sight and you are going to make Absolutely. it. Others would, others would give up. So again, yeah, what we were saying, the obsessive. Yeah, it's sort of like an exaggerated version of fencing scars or something. Of what? Of fencing scars. Is it, fen you know, with the, yeah. uh, in the yeah. 1900s? Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, yes. But it's, it's, it's great for people like ourselves who enjoy hearing about these uh, stories. I would never be like that. So I've got a certain amount of, of travel madness in me in that once I'm going. Quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> That's a very difficult bit there. You shouldn't go there. Go the easy route. I said, no, no, let's go the difficult bit. And I've done that yeah. a few times. And, and it pays off usually because you do get some extraordinary stuff. And the difficult is not always quite as bad as it sounds. But you have, yeah. I understand why people feel you've got to go through it and you've got to suffer a bit um, because well, you're going to, you know, the ends of the earth. Which well, you, you well, no, exactly. But you, you'd be able to associate quite a bit then wouldn't you because i mean when you first started out doing you know travel documentaries and stuff yeah. you were I, I don't know you were you about 40 or something 45 yeah yeah 45 yeah so i mean that you know i'm 40 next week and i i mean okay i've got a three-month-old and a three-year-old but yeah. let me tell you you know wow i would there's no way there's no way jose um uh but did you associate, could you, you know, with, with your travel experience and, and then reading about the Erebus, were, you, were there moments when, you know, the, 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 yeah. the tough got going, you know, you could have kind of sympathise a bit? Yes, yes, I, I, I could see, that's why I was quite interested in the daily record of the journey, because as you say, there were long, long days when they did very little. And sometimes when you're filming, there are days when you're just in vehicles, you're in transport, and it's, it's quite... That, those are the hardest times to keep it all together because that's when you begin to think of home and why are we doing this and what's the point of it all and then suddenly boom you know you're in a place there's sort of people shouting dancing singing 
firing guns in the air, get to work. Um, and then, then it's wonderful. And, and at the end of that period of intense activity, you not only feel that you've, you've done something, um, achieved something yourself, but you've also um, created the bond of the people you're with, which is very, very important. I mean, uh, I only go with five or six people in the team, but at the end of the day, we all quietly feel the same thing. We did that. We got it. Yeah. We filmed it. We got to the right place. Um, now we can have a break. And so I see that in Erebus and Terra, and I see that's how it must have been for them. Long days of just going along, looking out, and then a few days of intense activity where your yeah. very survival was was uh, at stake. And I can, I, mean that I, I can see that. And that would keep them quiet for a few days, and then on they'd go. Uh, and I, I to this day, I think the most extraordinary thing about, I discovered about writing the Erebus book was how long these people were able to spend in the Antarctic uh, without coming home in you know intense cold and having to sort of uh, you know read the sails when the, the ice was on all the rigging and all that sort of thing. Um, going through storms, icebergs sort of squeezing in, how they were able to survive all that. And survive they did. There were far more casualties um, on, on other journeys than there were on Erebus and Terra. I think there were only about four people in the whole four years who died. Most of them sort of fell into the sea. They didn't freeze. There was very, very little disease on board ship. And that was uh, Ross being very, very good with the diet, lots of vitamin C and Manage, he they knew what to eat, which is mainly, mainly penguins. <laughs> but penguins, right? Yeah, penguins yeah. turned out to be a very good source of nourishment with lots of yeah. vitamins. But it, it's um, it's really it's it's so brutal though to think that essentially it it is touch and go, isn't it? There's a there's absolutely you know you you haven't got very much room for maneuver for failure for mm. um yeah. the wrong step. This and yeah. there's a lot of. Yeah. five wrong steps even as small as they are incrementally as they are might be it, it can lead to disaster yeah and keeping your keeping your mind straight as a captain or or, yeah. or a lieutenant third lieutenant it's 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 yeah. so important well there are various instances where they have to take decisions snap decisions they don't know quite what lies ahead do they go there's one one section where they're off victoria land um in the antarctic and the ice is thickening and they're in an ice sheet. They can't see what's at the end of it. And they, a decision has to be made. You know, we're, we're, we're a small ship. It's a big ice sheet. No one's ever been this far south before. Time to go home. Or let's go through it. Let's see how thick it is and where it leads us. Now, that's a momentous decision. And, you know, you, you've never, a boat has never been tested in quite that way. And Ross, at this point, proves to be a man of, 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 of you know, some uh, capacity for sort of courage and, and, and facing up to danger and all that. Um, and he says, yes, let's go for it. And they could yeah. easily have come back at that point, gone back to Hobart. But he said, no, we'll go through it. And actually, they got through it. And the ice was never thick enough to stop them and they got through the other side into a wonderland land that they no one had ever ever seen before so there are those moments you know where, where the call is just just very very thin and probably with with 
um, Franklin, you know, and, and the uh, Canadian Northwest, they made the wrong call at one time. They probably shouldn't have gone south the way they did, um, away from the open sea down to a sort of narrow area where ice would yeah. be. But who knows, you know, the weather was, was the worst they'd ever been in the winter up there in the Northwest Passage. So it wasn't entirely their fault. No, no, exactly. I mean, that, that's you, you portray that part really, really well. I mean, just obviously, you know, since records began, blah, blah, blah. But the, the, of the worst, and it, was, it didn't just go on for one, two, three. It was three, three or four winters, you know, and summers. Yeah, rather, and just, exactly, three endless. winters. Yeah. 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 I'm going to have um, to go in a couple of minutes. Okay, um, Michael, I just want one, one... Supper. Yeah. Sorry, supper. What, what have you got? Cook, what's, what's cooking? Beef. I know it's cooking is leek, ham, and... Uh, <laughs> a leek, ham, and chicken pie, yes. Yeah. Now wrong with a pie. Um, I did pie. want... Yeah. What the the main the main thing for me at least is the and and the terror the BBC um, or the ABC thing um, yeah. was the meta the metaphor the Erebus and the terror being for mankind and yes. what have you. Um, yeah. Do Do you think that that's a that's appropriate? Well, I think it's. Uh, I, I think there's a lot in that. Um, it is about man's. You know, the ultimate sort of disapproval of Pascal's dictum, you know, uh, you know man's problems begin when he's, um, you know, can't sit, a, can't sit still in a room. And yeah. this is the absolute ultimate of not sitting still in a room. It's not just yeah. going outside. It's not just going to the coast. It's not just meeting a few new people. It's putting your lives at considerable risk in order to achieve something that no one has ever achieved before. It's like the space race or anything like that, you know. I, I, I think that's what, that, that, that's the parallel between now and then. Um, yeah. this, this eternal quest that mankind has to do a bit better, to find out what needs to be found out, to refuse to accept that there's something which we can't or shouldn't see. That was it, really. Yeah. Yeah, Captain Cook had been to the Antarctic, and he'd come back pretty quickly. He said, "It's absolutely dreadful. It's cold and miserable, and there's nothing there at all." But there were some people, um, you know, who felt there was something there, and um, it was worth looking for. And no. these guys go off and do it, and yet the guys who went—I mean, the people in the Admiralty and all the sort of swells at home with the, and the scientists—depended uh, on ordinary seamen, you know, kind of going out and doing their job. People with not a great education, people who hadn't travelled that far in ships in their lives, going off to the far ends of the earth uh, yeah. to bring back, hopefully, something that would show that there was, um, you know, knowledge had increased uh, by, by, you know, 50% because of what they'd done and all that. But the actual yeah. achievement was made by people who were very ordinary, and were just doing a job and not getting paid particularly well and missing their families and all that sort of thing. But they were heroes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think people will always want to be heroes. And we will always, we who aren't heroes will need heroes on the big scale. You know, heroes on the grand scale. 
Yeah, we're going to need some serious heroes. Otherwise, this human race is going to end up like the Erebus if we're not careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, on that note. <laughs> and, um, a big pie, maybe birdie. Yeah. Right. Sorry. If you ever have any free time, I'd love to take this conversation further, Michael. There's well, thank you so very much. much. I do appreciate you being interested, and that's very nice. Yeah. You're, doing a, you're doing a podcast, are you? Is that what you're... Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, I mean... It's a podcast series. I talk to a lot of different kind of people and what have you from all different walks of life and, yeah, yeah just try and get yeah. to the bottom of interests and yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, it's very good. It's it's um, it's always interesting to talk about the whys of it rather than analysing the book itself, which, which, you know, people can do by reading it. But why, yeah. you, and why you did it and what kept you going and what kept them going is kind of, the to me, the, the greatest satisfaction because it's not a sort of book you can do a sequel to i think that's I know. do something else now so it's not a sort of part yeah. of part of a chain of best-selling c books um, <laughs> it's a one-off and that's what's important yeah. too and i'll tell you just one last thing because when i was writing it in a very strange way it's a kind of lonely business being a writer writing something like that i mean you've got an editor and I've, you know, lots of people I interviewed for, to get material. Uh, I talked about it to my wife, my children, all that. But basically, it's your own, your own sort of um, mission, vision, uh, yeah. to get this book written. And you can't quite explain it to others. And the people I felt closest to, and this sounds really soppy, were the people on those ships. I suddenly felt, you know, it's like I'm talking to them and saying, "Don't worry, you know, I'm telling this story." Hey, guys, the yeah. people here. In, in 2018, I want to hear your story, you know, and, and God. we found the boat and all that, and when and the ship was found and we got there and all that, they kind of wanted to say, hey, guys, you know, I'm with you. That is so, that yeah, that is so, that is very poignant. Uh, that really is. I, and I believe that. I feel, I've really felt that through through your book and your love well, for the narrative. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. I, I didn't expect it to take me that way, and I was very glad it did because... Let's say I'm not a science writer or anything like that. Um, characters and people's motives are what interests me. And, and to yeah. get drawn in by these people, with a, not a great deal of information about them all, but just little bits of information and matching them up with other people's accounts and all that sort of thing, you realise quite yeah. what these people were doing. And some of them were understanding yeah. heroes. No, absolutely. But Michael, thank you so much for your time. Okay. Uh, if you, if you, great, great great pleasure thank you thank I'll, e I'll email paul and ask him yeah. to ask you for the title of that belgian book uh the explorers yes yes now i should know, <laughs> if you've got a moment i can tell you yeah exactly what it is because i keep i'm very anally retentive and i keep a <laughs> list of all the books i've read so it should be here somewhere now let me see right okay <laughs> bear with me Yes, here we are. It's called Madhouse, Madhouse at the End of the Earth by God. Julian Sancton. Okay. Now I've written here an Antarctic cliffhanger. It's like Erebus on acid. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds absolutely perfect. It is. I mean, if there's an, yeah, yeah do, if there's an do, audio do, version do, of that. Do read it. It's absolutely, I don't know if there's an audio version actually. Shouldn't yeah. It's, God. it's wacky beyond belief, but also um, quite yeah. inspiring. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Let's get it. into it. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. Cheers. All the very best. Thank you. You too. Thanks, mate. Bye.
拜拜。